Faith Science Podcast. My name is Noah Goblitz, and welcome back to the day of Pentecost for the week of May 23rd, 2021. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast. And boy, is it an exciting time of year. We are entering Pentecost, and now the long part of the calendar that after this becomes after Pentecost and the ordinal season, but I'm excited that we are here at this time of Pentecost, especially within the last year, year and a half of what we've gone through. Just being able to think about, contemplate, how is the Spirit of God moving today? How is the Spirit of God moving and transforming how we are thinking about, how we are looking at God today? And I think that's something right now that's exciting. It's new. It's fun to think about. And when I am thinking about it, I'm just, oh, this is so exciting. The church is moving into new directions in new ways and new ways of perceiving what the gospel looks like moving forward. And this is an exciting thing to be thinking about. It's exciting to think about what is this going to mean going forward? How is the gospel going to have different life brought into it and new interpretation based off of what we've gone through over the last year and a half? And we look back to things like World War II and how that changed perceptions of how people read the gospel. And we've had major life events events that change how we look at gospel. And I think that's what's so exciting about this. And that's kind of what I got into last week with last week's Twitter question. The Twitter question is, is how are you dealing with the transition? What is giving you hope in the transition? And what are things that you're really excited about in the transition? The transition being as we are transitioning within our world as we're moving forward, but also just within the church in general as we are transforming. And I got a couple different responses back, but I really liked one of these remembering that the world is not black and white, that there's a lot of gray areas. And as we are moving forward into this next phase of where we're going, as it appears that we're entering the last stages of what we know of as this pandemic, and that's just appearing from this moment that it isn't black or white. There's a lot of gray. It's what do we do? What do we trust? When do we feel comfortable? And that's one of the things. The relationships that have been bonded during this time is another thing that I got from another loyal listener talking about how that's been something that's exciting. And I think about over the last year how there's been so many different things from personal levels to big corporate levels, what it's done. It's changed how people are possibly perceiving food. And maybe there's more people cooking from home. You get the different relationship bondings of the different stories we've even heard from online, connecting with people in new and different ways because of the pandemic. And I think that's exciting in and of itself. I know within the ministry that I work with, there's been a couple different things that we tried and they were successful. And that's, again, the hard thing of figuring out when is it for a season and when is it something that we're looking at more long term. And that's, to me, I think is something that's really intriguing. And when we think about these transitions, it works really well with the text that we have this week. So let me frame this up. 
We have the axe reading, which can either be your first reading or second reading, and then there's alternative readings off of that. So I'll save the axe reading for a little bit here. We're going to start then with the alternative first reading is Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 14. This is Ezekiel getting a vision here of being with the Lord and being in this valley, in the middle of the valley, full of bones, and how God then talks to Ezekiel about prophesying to these bones and having them come to life with flesh and all this. And so when Ezekiel does this, the flesh comes on and it comes to life, but it's still lacking the breath. And so then God reiterates with Ezekiel to prophesy to the breath to come into this and that the breath then comes in. And then God explaining that this is the whole house of Israel, that a lot of them feel lost, they feel dried up, they feel completely cut off from God. And God trying to reassure them that, no, I have not abandoned you. I am here. Just continue to work with me, continue to abide with me, continue to cry out to me. And I am here and willing and able and wanting to continue to fill you with that breath. You just have to keep continuing to look for me. The psalm this week is Psalm 104, verses 24 to 34 and verse 35b. This is really fun. We get a quick mention of Leviathan, which Leviathan is what a lot of the fishermen of the time called like a giant sea monster underneath them. And the first half of the psalm is recognizing that the Lord continues to provide for all these different things in their due season, even when things are looking terrible. They continue to provide. But I think this is one of the powerful verses, verse 29. When you hide your face, your face being the Lord, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and renewed the face of the ground. That this is something that the Lord brings us life and regenerates us. And that because of that, then the last verses is recognizing that, again, we need to give praise as we even see the earth around us give praise. The alternative second reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 27. This continues on that theme, picking up from creation, how creation desires and needs God. And that there's this time that we're waiting for creation to be renewed. But then Paul kind of spins it around and that we're in the same boat and it's the hope is not something that's seen. It's something that we are anticipating and thus we have patience for. And so because we have not seen it, but we know that it's coming, that's where it allows us to be patient. And this is like the spirit coming into us to be able to discern. And for the places where we fall short, the spirit picks us up. 
which comes in at the end of verse 26 and into verse 27. It's a really, really powerful section. I'll even read this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, essentially stating that the Spirit When we lack the words to be able to pray, the Spirit intercedes and fills in that, which is so powerful, so cool, and so amazing in a lot, a lot of ways. The Acts reading this week is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. This is the story of the Holy Spirit coming to the people. And the day of Pentecost had come, and suddenly a rush of a violent wind filled the entire house where they were sitting, divided tongues as in fire, and tongues rested on them, and that the Holy Spirit then gives them ability to speak different languages. But I think one of the things that I pulled out from some different studies that I was in this week is that They're speaking the language of the Galileans. They're speaking the language of the native people. They are not conforming others to them. They are being transformed to be relatable and listen to the native people. Thus the tongues being able to speak in their language, not forcing them to become something else, which I think is really important to mention. We then, as this is all going on, people are confused. What's going on? Are these people drunk? Peter gets raised up with the Holy Spirit and calls out that, no, these men aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. That this is the Spirit of God. This is what was promised to the prophet Joel coming from verse 17. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. This is what the Lord has proclaimed that is going to happen, and this is happening today. And that because of this, anyone who believes in the Lord shall be saved. It's an exciting gospel. Hallelujah. The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, and chapter 16, starting with verse 4b to 15. This is then coming from that farewell discord. And again, if you remember last week that I was kind of calling out that I wish they were getting into chapter 16 here. And this is why. Because it is talking about that we're going to have an advocate coming on our behalf to testify to what has happened. And what gets really interesting here is Jesus talking to his disciples that you aren't asking where I'm going, but I'm telling you this is for you. It's better that I leave so this advocate can come. That with me leaving, it allows the stage to be set for the fulfillment of what we've been setting up for eons before here. That sin and righteousness and judgment then can be taken care of. That as I go away, that this spirit of truth will help give you guidance on where you are going and help be the voice even though that Jesus is no longer physically present. Ooh, it's an exciting week. This is deep. This is where we get into 
the text. This is our entrance. This is the beginnings of the church. This is us today. The Holy Spirit coming into this place. And it's exciting. It's so exciting. But before we jump into how faith and science come together in this week's podcast, we have to do a shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, since I'm not an ordained minister, I love being able to look at commentaries from lots of biblical scholars, plus having something like Working Preacher, having four different seminary professors helping me through thinking about these texts. The other thing I really like using is the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt. And if you haven't checked that out, it's a great resource to be able to look at art. But also for me, I really like using it to be able to look at these texts a little bit easier. So if you haven't checked out either Vanderbilt's Lectionary or WorkingPreacher.org, I'd highly recommend both of them. Whew, there you got a lot to say and not a lot of time to do it. But I want to bring up one thing that kind of ties back to where we were last week is we have the description in Acts that the Holy Spirit came as fire. And last week we talked a lot about wildfires, which I think this is an interesting correlation. For fire, you need a heat source, you need fuel, and you need oxygen. So if you think about it from the perspective of the fuel being provided through Jesus, of what he's doing and living and breathing and being among us, and understanding that the heat source, the initial source of energy coming from God, and trying to establish this relationship, and then getting the image of the Holy Spirit coming in as a violent wind, makes that fire triangle of what is all needed for a fire to happen. And I just think it's a great image to be able to think about, again, the Trinity working together and how we need these together. But there's a lot of other things we can really get into with these texts. But let's start a little bit here with the John text that we're talking about that an advocate is coming to testify to us. If you are being, someone is testifying, you had to have gone through some type of test, something that's challenging. But also to bring forth a truth, bring forth a reality of what is going on. I propose to you that one of these advocates that isn't necessarily the Holy Spirit, but that we can maybe use in science to help understand is looking for a species that is very specific with its niche, aka it's very specific with its habitat needs. It's looking for very specific things. And that when we study these types of species, we then understand if they are present, that these certain things must be happening in this environment and thus making it easier for us to understand how the ecosystem is working and understanding if they are in short supply that the lack of those ecosystems might be hard. I present to you Kirkland's Warbler. Kirkland's Warbler is estimated right now to have about 2,500 breeding pairs left in the United States and worldwide. They are typically, mostly their breeding grounds are scattered in Wisconsin and Michigan. And the reason that these are so hard to find is they are very, very specific for what they are looking for. They are looking for young jack pines, which means 
tying into last week, you have to have fire in that ecosystem semi-regularly. Because remember, jack pines only release their seeds after fire. So in order to have young jack pines, you need to then have fire going through semi-consistently. When the forest is about 15 years old, or so the trees are between 3 to 5 meters or 10 to 16 and a half feet tall, the warbler will leave the area because it's too mature. They are there for the early beginnings. When the trees are about 5 to 6.5 or 1.5 to 2 meters tall, that's when they're there. So there's a short period of time and they're looking for a very specific habitat. So we know if that's there, that that's a habitat is in that place and that that habitat is healthy enough to be able to maintain this warbler that's for such a specific niche. And if you think about it, this is what Christ is telling us in the John text. Let me get out of the way. Let me be the final piece that needs to change so that this spirit of truth can be embedded within you. This is something that we've been working on for the beginning of time and we want to do this for you, but that means that I have to leave. I have to get out of the way so that the spirit can come in. We have to have fire. We have to have these young forests for the Kirkland Warbler to enter. This is what's so powerful about this. Because we understand the depth of Kirkland's Warbler, we can understand then where the forest is at that stage. We can understand that if we are having low populations of Kirkland's Warbler, it means we don't have young jack pine forests. We are then suppressing fire, and as we talked about last week, that can be damaging. We are then potentially setting ourselves up for an extinction of a valuable species in a young forest. That's powerful. But also realize within this, being able to state these things that we have studied this wobbler that much is like us being able to study and spend time with the Holy Spirit. Right? I mentioned to you that we have to be able to speak in the native tongue, that we are among the people to be able to speak their native tongue. This is like a birder being able to go out and being able to separate the noise and realize that something special is there, that the Kirkland's warbler is there. There's training, there's time, it's understanding the environments on where there's Kirkland's warblers are going to be. Just like digging into the word and spending time with the Lord to be able to understand how the spirit of truth is coming and talking to you. That you have to spend the time to be able to understand, research, and know what you're looking for to be able to find a Kirkland's warbler. Because if I go into a boreal forest filled with red pine, I'm not going to find a Kirkland's warbler. That's not where they are. And if I don't spend time in understanding the spirit of the Holy Spirit, understanding God as the spirit, then how the heck am I going to have the spirit of truth that is promised? We have to be able to get through the noise and interpret this. Because if we don't, it's near impossible, near impossible for us to find it. And the funny thing is, is this last month, we had something very similar to that happen. In this last month, published in the Wilson's Journal of Ornithology, is the rediscover of an owl species we have not seen in 125 years since it was originally discovered, thinking that it was essentially gone. The Bornean subspecies of the Rajian Scops owl was spotted in a Malaysian forest for the first time since 1892. And it was also the first time ever 
that it was photographed. And this was in 2016 this happened, but it was just recently published. Here's the problem. We don't know the call of the bird, and we don't know the habitat of the bird. What happened? This bird, when they were studying other birds, appeared, and two days it came back to the same spot. We never got an audio clip. We got pictures. And what's unique is it has these big, beautiful orange eyes. The Odious brookii brookii is technically the Latin name for this bird. And I'll attach some links down below. But this is very similar to us if we are not spending time in the Word, if we're not spending time with God. How the heck are we supposed to be able to just magically stumble across the Holy Spirit and it's going to feel like we're just occasionally running into it? How are we supposed to know where God is then steering us to be? This is why it's so hard to find this owl. We know nothing about it. We have a visual description of the bird, and now we have a photograph of the bird. We think it's pretty rare. We think it may be only to that section of Malaysia, but they're all hypothesis at this point because we don't know even where to start. How can you start researching a bird you don't even know what it sounds like? You don't know where it lives. You don't know what it eats. The questions that arise are massive. That owl is like the dry bones described in Ezekiel. We want to understand, we want to breathe life, but it means that we need to spend the time to actually go in and try hunting this down and figuring this out. Not physically hunting, but metaphorically more hunting to try to figure out more about this. But how often are we honestly doing that within our own faith? How often are we actually spending the time to pursue and dig deeper to get into the understanding of what the Holy Spirit is stirring within us to go and to figure out as an individual and as a community, as a church, and as a broader church? As we are moving forward, like we talked about last week in the transitional period, where are we being called to go next? If we aren't trying and actively working on connecting with the Holy Spirit, how are we going to get to the place of where we're called to be? The psalm reminds us this week that creation understands this. Creation understands that the breath of God is needed to survive. Paul even bringing up the labors of creation and how we have to have patience to hope in something we have not seen. In hope, we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Verses 24 and 25, and we've read 26 and 27. Understanding that the Holy Spirit fills in, but the Holy Spirit wants to provide this information to us. But are we giving the time, the space, the energy to go and figure that out? We've spent the time with Kirkland's Wobbler to understand the very valuable thing that it does for an ecosystem. This Rogers Scots owl, a Borean subspecies, we haven't done that. And it could be because the territory is hard, but who knows what that could lead to? Who knows what understanding this owl could bring to us? Maybe it's just a simple rare coloration, or maybe it's actually a species we really don't know anything about. And that this can provide so much more understanding about the ecosystem in which it lives. And the more we understand about that ecosystem, the more we understand about the creation in which God gave us, and the more we actually understand about ourselves. 
Because now, like in the Acts reading, we're listening. We're listening and being like Gentiles, but listening to the native languages around us. We're understanding and learning as we go out and start to pursue to research this owl, hopefully eventually getting an audio sound that we know what to actually listen for. And in that, we then can start to learn more about what this owl is desiring and what the different calls mean. What it eats, where it lives. You talk to any birder in an area, they will tell you that birds actually understand each other decently well. There's different calls that they go into that are almost more of a universal language to let them know of danger or this is my territory, back off, or I'm hurt or help. There are different calls that they will use to communicate with each other. We're the ones that are stubborn. We're the ones that are, won't allow ourselves to go beyond enough our own human race. And heck, even within humans, how we will let our own language be a barrier. When are we going to allow ourselves to understand that this is something so much bigger than ourselves? And when we start to realize that, to me, that's laying the foundation to be allowing ourselves the possibility for the Holy Spirit to enter in. But we have to listen. We have to have a desire to go and look and learn. The Holy Spirit had been promised, but it was the devout Jews who initially got it and then decided to go and share it to those who will listen. But they had to listen to them speaking in the native tongue of the other person, which means that they had to listen to understand the person that they're going to talk to. In order for us to learn about anything out in nature that's outside of us, we have to listen. And heck, science is an act of listening. It's an action of observing something or listening to what that does. Knowledge is power, but knowledge is listening. Knowledge is the acquisition of knowledge takes time and listening and patience. And that's the characteristics of our Holy Spirit. So church... Brothers and sisters in Christ, are we doing this? Are we actively listening to each other, to our brothers and sisters who do not speak a human dialect, who are not homo sapiens? How well do we listen? How well do we really communicate with them? How well do we work with that? How well do we work with people then who do have that ability, who have the good green thumb or who are the birder or who are the mammologist or who are a specialist in something outside of us or even within the human species so that we actually sit back and listen and digest it. In a world that's so quick to make assumptions, this is where we need to make the strides because that's when the Holy Spirit takes place. Because we're so quick to talk, we don't let the Holy Spirit then come through us. Sometimes we have to be able to pause. And any good birder would tell you to be able to listen to an ecosystem, you have to listen. You can't talk your way through it. So the Twitter question this week is how well have you listened for the Holy Spirit this week? And when I say that, it's not just from humans. How well have you listened to the Holy Spirit outside of the human race? We can listen to it from the human race too, but how well do we also listen to it outside the human race? These are tough decisions, but yet we have to understand that this is still God's creation. We are part of it. 
If we struggle with communicating with people who don't speak the same language as us, how are we going to communicate with the rest of God's creation that the Spirit of God is still moving amongst them? Because we can see that it sings praises to God. Look through the Psalms. How well are we listening for that voice? On this Pentecost, where we're recognizing that this is the beginning of the church, this is the church's birthday, this is the beginning of where we are at now. But how do we also recognize then that this is something that's also been working for much longer outside the human race? Because they've been singing praises that we struggle to understand. And when are we going to humble ourselves enough to learn their language? The value of a Kirkland's Warbler is important. We know what it does. Are we going to spend the time for learning about unknown species just as much? Are we going to learn about Borean subspecies of Raja Scoop's Owl? Or are we going to let that fade away in the missed opportunity of what it could potentially teach us? Just like the missed opportunity that we allow ourselves to get into at times with the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, as we are in this place right now within the world, I pray and say we as a church need to be okay with the radical boundaries that will be changed because of the Holy Spirit. How often we try to contain it and be a fire that's so close like we talked about last week and when are we just going to let it blaze? When are we going to let it go and realize that it's going to push us outside of what we know? And I see no better time than after the world has been shaken to its core. We're not through this yet, but we have definitely been shaken. And there is no better time than the church to rise up and learn from this than now. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.